Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our associate and student pastor, Matt Willingham. Hey, I want you to stay standing. We're going to go right to the text this morning. If you've got your Bibles, James chapter 1. Maybe you've got your Bible. Maybe you've got a smartphone. you got you version James chapter 1. We've been in a series on relationship status, and we're going to be looking at that again today. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. That's pretty important, is what he's saying. One translation says, understand this. Another translation says, you should do this. Everyone, come on, say everyone. everyone. While we're reading our scripture, welcome our campuses. Put your hands together. Come on, North Judson. Hebron, Wanatal, NPH, Westville. Everyone, come on, everybody say everyone. everyone. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly Accept the word planted in you which can save you. Verse 22, he goes on. I'm going to read it. It's not on your screens. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive it and so deceive yourselves. Do, everybody say do. Do. Do what it says. Do what it says. God, thank you for your word this morning. God, thank you for your challenge that you have for us today. God, at every location. God, those watching online. God, here at Valpo. God, thank you that you want to challenge us today. So I pray that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds to what it is you have to say to us today. God, that you would let us leave different than how we were when we walked in today, than how we were when we clicked on to join. God, when we're watching today, God, I pray, Lord, that you will change us and challenge us in some way. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Listen, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. Because today, you got a special treat. Y'all don't even realize it. You thought you was just going, normally y'all get to come and hear me, but today you got a special treat. Now, y'all don't know how many relational coins I had to cash in to make this happen, but that's how much I love you. That's how much I love my church. And I want y'all to welcome, we've only done this once before with, with, with several other couples. We've done it quite a few times in youth group, but I want y'all to put your hands together for my amazing wife who's going to join me today, Miss Leslie. Come on. Want it all, uh, but I don't, girl, want nothing at all. Come on, put your hands together. If I ain't got you, baby. Come on, high five somebody as you sit down. Oh, we're going to have a good time. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. You like that? I gave you an intro song. Come on, give it up for the band for the intro song. Who needs Alicia Keys when you got Lindsay Keys, right? There you go. So not everybody gets an intro song, Leslie. You get an intro song. Listen, Thank you. I just, you know, I'm trying to treat you nice. I'm trying to do it right. Hey, today we're going to be talking. We're continuing our series. Last week, Pastor Phil kicked it off about relationship status and the importance of relationships. And biblically, the Bible has a lot to say about relationships. James, we're going to go unpack that today and look at that some more. But Leslie, what, what, why? What's the big deal? Who even cares? Why should we, particularly in the church setting, why do we even be talk, why should we even be talking about relationships? 
uh, because relationships are everywhere. You can't get rid of them. You can't get away from them. They're in your house, parents and kids, siblings, brothers, sisters, um, employees, coworkers. Bro, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And how many of you know, how many of you know relationships are hard? All right, some of y'all said that way too hard, way too loud, <laughs> way too loud. Relationship, this is not a husband and wife conversation. Now, we're going to be talking some today as a couple and some parents and some different things. But relationships are everywhere. Because why? Because people are everywhere. And if people are everywhere, that means relationships are everywhere. That means life can be difficult. I mean, it's good. I don't even care if you're a Christian and it's two Christians. The good news and bad news about going to church with each other is sometimes you do life together, which is great which is bad. That means sometimes you do business together, which is great, which is bad, because guess what? Even Christians, we got issues. All right? This, this section is honest. The rest of y'all are lying today, <laughs> acting like you got it all together. Relationships are complicated, right? Relationships can be difficult because it's people involved, right? It's, it's circumstances involved. And if you think, but listen, if you think your family's got problems, let me, let me tell you a little story here. Consider the marriage mayhem, true story, created. Now listen closely. When 76-year-old Bill Baker of London, he recently wed his wife, Edna Harvey. Now watch. The problem was is that Edna, she just happened to be his grand, pay attention, his granddaughter's husband's mother, all right? So, so, so Bill married Edna. Edna is his granddaughter's husband's mother. The granddaughter's name is Lynn. So she said it like this. That's, this is where the confusion began. She said, my mother-in-law is now my step-grandmother. My grandfather is now my stepfather-in-law. My mom is my sister-in-law, and my brother is my nephew. But even crazier is that I'm now married to my uncle, and my own children are my cousins. Y'all, that's crazy right there. And that didn't even happen in Alabama. Hello, come on. That didn't even happen in the South. So get up off me about the country people, right? Listen, sometimes relationships can create, if we're honest, a sense of confusion in life. Amen? And each day we deal with the reality of these relationships. And the reason we've been spending some time and we wanted to take this month is because how we handle those relationships speaks volumes of who we are and what we believe. And not every relationship is the same, right? Like the relationship you have with a spouse is totally different than how the relationship you have with your kids, the relationship, I know there's even single parents in here, the relationship that you have, you know, even as a single parent, maybe because of divorce or because someone passed away that you love, your relationship looks totally different even oftentimes than other people. And every time we deal with people, we're dealing in the commodity of relationships. So, so here's the thing, let, let, let's kind of lay the foundation this morning for you of where we want to go. Let, let's give you the biblical basis for relationships. Write it down if you're taking notes. Number one, God is the foundation of all relationships. Amen. Now, I won't say it's impossible, right? Leslie and I was talking. She goes, Matt, well, you can't say it's impossible because I, I know people that don't go to church, and they've got a pretty good marriage, and I know people that don't go to church. They've got a pretty good relationship with their kids. So I won't say it's impossible. How I will say, however, I will say it is definitely more difficult to have good relationships with other people when you don't have a right relationship with God. Yeah. You agree with that statement or not? Absolutely. Okay, well tell us why. Don't <laughs> just tell me. 
Well, when I, my relationship with God is off, I can tell that I'm not patient. I'm not as kind. I'm not as loving to those around around me. I get I fly off the handle a little bit more. I get annoyed more nah, often. Not you. Never. Yeah, it's me. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're fine. Oh, you're fine. But I mean, it's important to have a biblical basis on our friendships, our relationships, because God uses his word to tell us what it means to be in a relationship. It tells us how to act. He tells us to be love and kind and patient and all these things. And when we are those things, we are a good partner to those around us. So hold up. So next time you come, I'm just going to say it. I got no, witnesses. I, the answer's no, no I'm on, I got witnesses up in this room. So next time you come in and maybe you're a little, you said it, not me, a little moody, right? That if I, if I look at you and I say, girl, you need to go pray and talk to Jesus, that's going to fix all the issues? Nope. Is that what you're saying? Nope. Yeah, I don't think it would. <laughs> That'll make me more mad. Yeah, I think that would. I think I'd be ducking because something <laughs> come flying in my head. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you that. All right, but what about when? Because how many of you know sometimes she's right, right? Like if our relationship with God is off, our relationship with people is going to be off. But what about, how about this? However, my relationship with God can still be okay and people can still get on my nerves. Right? Some of y'all shouting way too much today. I like it. I like it. My relationship with God can, can be okay and people are still challenging us. So what about, what about when we're on point and with, our, with our own relationship with God? And it doesn't necessarily affect of how I'm responding to other people, but they still got their own issues. They still got things and it's trying me. Well, why, why is, is it still so important then to remember that God is my foundation? Well, because you're always going to have friction in a relationship. Conflict comes with every relationship, no matter how good or how, how great it is, because we're, none of us are perfect. Mm -hmm. And so we have to learn how to deal with conflict in a godly way, to talk, to communicate, yeah. to be patient, to forgive. Yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say more. I'm, <laughs> I'm still listening. I'm trying to take notes right now. So, so you're saying, like, all right, when my relationship with God is off, it affects how I respond. But even when my relationship with God and it's other people, that's still my basis because he's the one, he's my foundation. He's the one giving me the strength to still be patient. Absolutely. He's the one still giving me the strength to be kind. And, and that's what we have to understand, church, is when it comes to our relationships with our kids, when it comes to our relationships with, with our spouses, when it comes to our relationships at work, our coworkers, right, that if God is not our foundation, things are going to be rocky often, right? I mean, how many times, again, y'all know it, even in your own lives, that when you begin to look at everything and it feels off, off tilt, that you look and you start reflecting, you go, it's because my, my own personal life is off, off tilt. And, and then when you begin to, when we begin to like get that back on balance, it doesn't make everything perfect, right? But it begins to then balance everything back out. So we have to understand when it comes to relationships that first and foremost, God has to be the foundation. He has to be the one that is established. And then secondly, we got to understand we were created for relationships. Like this is how God wired us. This is how he designed us. If you're single, if you're married, if you're a teenager, if you're, uh, the only way you cannot have relationships is if you just board yourself up in your house and become a hermit. That's the only way you're not going to have relationships, right? And I know sometimes that might sound like a great idea. That might be fun, Right? But, but ultimately, what we got to go out in the, to the world, and this is what God calls us to do, is to go out to be salt and light. This is our, this is our commission as, as Christ followers. This is our commission as people. And if you, even if you're like, I'm just trying to check Jesus out. I don't even know if I believe in this thing. Listen, regardless, you still are created for relationships. Go back to Genesis. 
That's how it starts. That's how we were created. We're wired to have people in our life. We're wired to have those people around us. And ultimately, to understand though, the reason we're wired for that is thirdly, relationships are the bridge of the gospel. This is what God uses. He uses these human relationships, parents, kids, friends, coworkers, neighbors, right, spouses. He uses these relationships to communicate the, the message. I say it like this. Relationships are the medium that the good news spreads. Relationships are the medium that the gospel spreads. You go read the New Testament. And go read about how when life change would happen, when the gospel would go forth, when the good news would be preached. What happened? One person just didn't get affected. A whole house would be affected by that. Right? A whole city would be changed by that. A whole neighborhood. It wasn't just something that affected one person. And it's, it's, it's these relationships, Les, that, that really help us bridge the, the, the gospel and the good news. Well, I think a lot of people think when they say share the good news that they mean like preaching from a microphone. And let's be honest, the majority of us are not going to do this. Yeah. I don't like to do this. Very, but you're very, here. It's, it's you're very intimidating. It. But most of us are not going to be on a microphone preaching or standing on a street corner. It's going to be with your relationships with other people. It's going to be talking to people and building that trust with people and and being vulnerable with people. And that way that you can have an impact on their life. I... Um, I'm a nurse and had a patient that came in, um, and it was a husband and wife, and they were really terrible. Like, they were, from the minute they got there, they were, like, demanding and rude, and they just, like, nothing was good enough. They never said please. They never said thank you, and I got to talking to them later, and she was like, oh, we run a ministry of, like, helping girls, and they were, like, these church people, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel embarrassed, like, that we're, like, that I love Jesus and you love Jesus. Like, it's just not, like, how it should be, and one of my coworkers, I don't think he really knows Jesus or, you know, has a relationship, he said, if that's what it's like to be, to love Jesus, I don't want any part of it. And it just like goes to show how quickly people can write off Jesus based on our actions and what we say and just how we treat people. And we talk about that quite often, right? Again, most people in our life, before they ever hear a message on the stage, they're going to hear a message in your life. Before they ever pick up a Bible and read about marriage, they'll look at your marriage and say, oh, that's what a Christian marriage is like. Before they ever pick up the Bible and see what God says about raising kids, right? They'll, they'll look at your life and say, oh, as a parent. Before they ever pick up the Bible and see what God says about forgiveness, they'll see how you and I forgive, how we treat other people. And listen, I, I know when we say that, we're like, well, Pastor Matt, you're, that's a lot of pressure you're putting on us. It's, not a lot, it's a lot of pressure if you do it on your own. It's a lot of pressure if you rely on yourself. It's a lot of pressure if you forget what we said earlier, that if God is the foundation, when, when, he, when my life is built upon him, when my life is built upon him as a solid rock, that he gives me the power and the ability, man, it takes the pressure off because now he's doing it through me and in me. It's not something that I'm doing on my own, and I'm able to impact my school. I'm able to impact my neighborhood. I'm able to impact my family, not because I'm perfect, but because they see the Jesus living in me and through me. And then what happens? God gets the glory. They say, man, there's something different about the way you live. There's something different about the way you forgive. There's something different about your marriage that, that separates other marriages that I see. And we have to understand it's these biblical things that, that lay the foundation. And then we get to the text, though, of James. Oh, that is so hard. It's so easy to read, so hard to live out. James lays out this, the basics. Really, that's what it is. It's the basics for developing and maintaining healthy relationships. 
Again, relationships is more than just marriage. They're everywhere. Kids, coworkers, right? Maybe you're, you're a single parent. You still have relationships that you're navigating. Maybe, you know, you're, you're, uh, you, you, know, you go to work. There's relationships there that you're navigating. You're a student. There's relationships there at your school that you're navigating. And he tells us, first of all, here's the first thing. He says, we must be quick to listen. One person said it like this. We have two ears but only one mouth so we can listen more and speak less. Two ears, one mouth, so we can speak more and listen less. Be quick to listen. The reason I brought Leslie up, I can't even preach half this message. She's got to do it because I struggle. Leslie, why, why is it so hard, you think, for sometimes for us to be quick to listen? Well, listening takes time, it takes patience, and you have to be willing because it's not always what you want to hear, and it, you don't, may not always agree with what people are saying. So instead of us plowing over people and with our own opinions and our own um, circumstances, I guess, then it's important that we listen to other people because we don't always know their circumstances or what they're going through, and so when we take the time to pause and listen, it helps us understand who we're dealing with and why they do the things that they do. Did you hear what she said? She says it's, it's easier to plow than it is to pause sometimes, right? It's easier to plow over someone in conversation. It's easy as a parent. Come on, let's talk to the parents. It's easy to plow over your kids. Why? Because they're your kids. They should listen to me anyways. They're just my kid. I give them roof. Bless God. I give them food. They should be happy. I'm letting them live in this house, right? I'm just, right? Come on. That's what we say as parents. You, you guys should see Matt and Mason at home. Like, Come on. Hey, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Don't be airing out my stuff right here in front of everybody. Mason is a clone of Matt. So watching them talk, they don't communicate well. There has to be an interpreter, basically. There has to be an interpreter. An, yeah. But why? Because, listen, and I, re I remember, I tell you what, you brought that. I remember one specific conversation with, with, my, with my son, Mason. You know, he's getting older. Now, listen, as a parent with toddlers, this is, it's easy, right? Because they're toddlers. Like, we just got to tell them what to do, and they listen. But as they become now these young men, these young women, now they're teenagers, they're, they're young adults, and they, now they have opinions, right? Uh, and now they think they know everything in life. And, and, uh, and sometimes they, their opinions are right. And I remember this one particular conversation, and it became, it became a yelling match. It was a dog fight. And my wife was sitting there just shaking her head like, you two just getting, both of you getting on my nerves. And what the conversation was was this, is as, as he was getting older, you remember this conversation, Mason, we were talking about uh, uh, curf curfew and like, Dad, I'm older and I'm driving and, and, and I feel like you still treat me like I'm 12 and I'm not 12. And I'm like, bless God, I, I feed you. That's all you should be thinking. You know, and I'm, I'm like doing that dad thing, right? And, and, and then I'm saying some things, but he's not listening to me because he's trying to get his point across. I'm not listening to him because I'm trying to get my point across. And ultimately, Leslie, the referee steps, is like, time out, like, listen, Matt. This is what Mason is trying to say to you, but you're not listening. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And then she's like, Mason, this is what your dad's trying to say, but you're not listening to him. He's like, oh, cool. That, okay, I get that. And like immediately the conversation de-escalated, right? And then, and then conversation, right? And that's the problem. We don't know how to conversate anymore. We know how to argue in our culture. We don't know how to conversate. I mean, just watch the political news right now. A lot of people know how to argue the point. Nobody knows how to have a conversation anymore because we don't know how to what? Stop and listen. And again, look, look at social media. People are, are dying in our culture today looking for someone to listen. They, they put their opinions out there. Why? Not just because they're trying to be loud and boastful, but because they have a voice and they want it to be what? Heard, 
right? They want to be someone to listen to them. And, and, and oftentimes those people in our life that are dealing with pain, Leslie says something so good. We don't understand their story if we don't listen to it. So oftentimes we'll look at somebody in a relationship that we work with, or we'll look at something, even, even sometimes on spouse or on our own kids, and we cast judgment on them before we ever stop and listen, because we don't know what their story is. We don't know what they're going through. We don't know what it was like to come from their background. We don't know what it was like to go through the pain of life. And, and here we are trying to have a conversation, and we don't even understand the person we're talking to. James says we have to be quick to listen. Write this down, misunderstandings, misinterpretations, and misconceptions happen because we do not actively listen to one another. Not just hearing, but listening. It's not only just a matter of listening with our ears, but it's also listening with our heart. James, he says, he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, do this, understand this. You first have to be quick to listen, and then he goes on to say, you gotta be slow to speak. Now watch, if I take the time to listen, my response is a little bit slower. And again, our problem is with many relationships is that everyone, we're family, by a show of hands, how many of you like to have the last word in conversations? Come on, throw them up, throw them up. Come on, throw them up high, don't be ashamed, we family, you in church, don't be lying to the Lord. You like to have the last word. Uh-huh, that's us. And then if you're sitting next to someone that they raise their hand to, just think about them conversations now for a minute, right? <laughs> Every one of us like to have the last word and to have their opinions matter more than others. Why do you think, I'm putting you on the spot because I know that's not in your notes. Why, why do you think, Leslie, why, why can that be so damaging if we're just so quick to speak, not quick to listen, because we got to get the last word in. I just got to say my point. Why do you think that's so damaging to our, our relationships? Because it means you don't care about the other person's opinion. Yeah. If I just want to get my point across, it means I don't really care what your opinion is. I just care what I think about the situation. And really when you look at Jesus, the greatest example of this, go read the stories of Jesus when he would be talking to people and teaching. What would he do? He would ask a question. Then he would listen to their response, and from their response, it would cue a story that he would share or a lesson that he would teach. He would never just walk into the room and start blasting everything, right? This is the message I got to say. Y'all listen up. No, no, no. That's not what he would do. He would ask a question, right? Listen to the response. He would always meet the people's needs. He would always connect with them relationally. And, th and this is the model that he sets before us. Solomon says it like this in Ecclesiastes 9:17. He says, the words of the wise are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that rules among fools. Hello. We should put that on our fridge every day just to remember that. The words of the wise are heard in quiet more than the cry of him that rules among fools. What is he saying? Is that oftentimes in our quietness, in our stillness, as we learn how to listen, as we learn how to take in information about our kids, about our spouse, about our coworkers, about, about the people at our schools, whatever the relationships is in our life, that wisdom comes as the information comes. Wisdom comes and it allows us to be processed what's going on. It allows us to speak in the situations. It allows us to listen into the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit might drop a word. The Holy Spirit might say something in your heart, but like, you need to say this, or, or hey, you need to be quiet right now and listen. Why? Because we're pausing and we're listening. He says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then he takes it a step further. 
be slow to become angry. Oh, this is so tough. This is the emotional response that, that impacts all of our relationships. And I don't care who you are, where you're at, what campus you're watching from, every one of us has an anger issue. All of us. It all comes out different. Right, right. Your anger issue might be that you clam up and close down. That's how some people deal with anger. Your anger issue might be that you become a yeller and a screamer. Not going to lie, that's how I deal with my anger. I get loud. You, your anger, how do you, how you deal with your anger? I usually have to walk away right. and, like, go think for a second. Because I'm quick. I'll go zero to a, My kids will tell you I go zero to 100 fast. Like, they get on my nerves, and it's like I'm immediately, you know, lashing out. And so I've had to. And then I'm sitting there saying, y'all did it. I don't know why y'all had to do it. Y'all did it. I ain't got you back on this one. Y'all did it. Unfortunately, with that, though, causes me to have to come back and apologize because a lot of times when we lash out, when we're angry, we don't take the time to think. We have to come back and apologize because we said things that we didn't mean or that hurt people's feelings. And I can remember times in my life where people have said something to me or called me a name or lashed out in anger that I've remembered for a long time. It's almost like it puts like an imprint in your brain of like that statement that you just remember. And I never want to be that to somebody else. I don't ever want to leave an imprint in someone's memory of something I said out of anger that didn't even mean in the first place. I just said because I was mad. And anger happens in, in all different ways. We all have it, yeah. right? Maybe we lash out. Maybe we say hurtful things like Leslie said. Maybe, you know, some people might throw things or might, you know, might hit a wall or some people might close down. Every one of us, this is why James writes it, because all of us have this issue that can rise up quickly. Yeah. And anger works against the, the issue with anger. This is what he's pointing out is anger works against the first two things that he says. Quick to listen, so to speak. If I'm operating in anger, neither one of them two things are happening. I'm not quick to listen. I'm not slow to speak, right? Anger clouds our judgment. It, uh, it, it stops us from listening to others. Anger causes us to lose control of, of, our, of our tongue, of our emotions. And, and, and again, every one of us, I think if we're honest, we can, we've been in that point. We've said something. Leslie said, man, there, there's times in my life that someone has said something out of anger, and I can recall it just like that because I remember what it said. And so if we're not careful, we, we find ourselves that this is what happens. Anger will become the, the poison to the relationships around us. Because this is what it does. Anger poisons our ability to relate, to process, and then anger poisons them as I begin to say and do things that causes harm. Proverbs gives us several things when it comes to, to anger. It gives us several, several scriptures. Give them to them. Proverbs fourteen seventeen. A quick-tempered man does foolish things. Proverbs 14.29, a quick-tempered man displays folly. And then Proverbs 15.18, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension. And all three of them, y'all know we've seen before. Yeah. All three of them, if we're honest, that's been us before. Then you walked away, you're like, man, did I look stupid in that instance, right? Or man, did I say something out that, that sounded foolish? Or man, did out of my anger, true story, I was so angry a Saturday Y'all know, I'm gonna, listen, I'm going to tell myself, y'all know how now Facebook, you can post anonymously? Y'all ever see them people where it takes off your name? And now I'm not a social media guy. I never process my emotions on Facebook. And I kid you not, God's honest truth. I was so angry Saturday afternoon. I come home. Leslie, you weren't even home, so you don't even know this. I opened up my, my laptop. I was like, I'm going to get on Facebook, and I'm going to go anonymous, and I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I got to get this off my chest. And I was about, I mean, I was. I was typing it up. Now, it wasn't nothing crazy. Don't think y'all like, ooh, I got to watch Facebook from now on, <laughs> see if anything crazy comes up. It wasn't nothing crazy. 
But I was just upset about a situation, right? That I was like, I got to say it. I just got to say it, and I'm going to see what other people have to say about it. And I was so angry. And immediately the Holy Spirit checked me so fast. I was like, Matt, if you do that, number one, you're going to look like an idiot. You're going to feel like an idiot. And number two, all you're about to do is just cause controversy that you don't need to cause. And that's what anger does. Yeah. Right? That, that then controversy breaks out. And instead of bringing resolve to the issue, what have I done? I brought more conflict. And so James says, he says, you have to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. All right, I get that. What, what do we got to do? How, what do we process then in these relationships? Here, I, I want to land the plane right here on these last three thoughts. Number one is that relationships will often make us give more than we receive. Come on, somebody say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Now listen, I don't mean that in relationships we become doormats or we let people walk all over us. That's not at all what I'm saying. Like if, if, that, that's, if that's the kind of friendship or people that you have around us, that's, that's not a relationship. That's a tick sucking the life out of you. You need to get rid of that, right? Like that's a toxic relationship. So I'm not saying that we let people misuse us and abuse us in our friendships, in our relationships as coworkers, all of those things. All I'm saying is though that oftentimes relationship will often make us give more than, than when we see, if you're in a relationship, if you're in a friendship, right, where it comes to your kids, whether your coworkers, it's your job, and your neighbor, whoever it might be, if you have someone in your life simply because of what you can get, then I'm going to tell you, you're in that relationship for the wrong reason. That's not why God wired us that way. That's not how God designed us that way. One of the major reasons that I think relationships, again, as a whole, not just marriages, but friendships that have fallen outs, church people that have fallen outs with one another. is I think one of the major reasons that they've failed is that one or both of the relationships have stopped giving to it. Yeah. One person's just become a taker. What can I get from it? What can I take? What can I do? You got to do this for me. You got to do this for me. You're not meeting my needs. You're not doing what I want to do. And, and we've lost the ability and the power to simply give away. And, and that's so damaging Oftentimes, in particularly in the marriage context, Leslie, that can be so damaging when it's just about what can I give or what can I get, what can I get, and not understanding. There's flows in life that sometimes I give more than I get. Absolutely, and it goes back to your spouse or your dating partner or someone cannot be your fulfillment in life. That has to come from God because it's an impossible expectation to put on another person to complete you, to be your fulfillment. They, they can't do it. They're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. And so it's important that we find that in God. And so our relationships then aren't addition to our life. They are something great that we obviously have to, have to work at. But they, when things go awry in our relationship, it doesn't take you down all the way because you have your focus on God, because you have your foundation here, and that is just something that you can pray about and you can work on, but it does not destroy you when that relationship is having problems. And when you, when you look, a biblical example, look at Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus, he took off glory. He, he, he left the heavenly realm. He left the throne room to come to this earth to do what? Not to be served, but to do what? But to serve. 
Right? He, he put all of that off to come down. And he didn't show up on this earth and be like, all right, what y'all got for me? What you going to do for me today? He was constantly serving. He was constantly looking out. And that's the same way as a Christ follower in our relationships. And you and I, we must be looking around, not just saying, what can I get from this person? What can I get from that relationship? What can I get from that job? How much, how crazy do you think it would be for your boss that maybe you've had that attitude of just what I can get? If you walk in tomorrow and say, you know what, boss, I'm here to serve. What you need me to do today? Instead of like, well, it's 4 o'clock, I got to get out of here. You ain't paying me extra. I'm gone, right? What, what, can, I, what can I do to serve? How, how crazy would it be in your friendships if, if not just, man, I want to take, I want to take up. Hey, what can I do to serve? How much more fulfilling would our marriages be? If what, what can I do to serve? How much more exciting? That's what I love about this church. I love about Heartland. I love about all of our campuses. Man, it's about giving. It's about going. It's about multiplying ourselves and fulfilling the Great Commission, fulfilling the call that God has for us, that we don't just sit back and say, man, give me, give me, give me. But man, what I love about this church is we are all constantly saying, God, what more can we do? What more can we do to reach this world? What more can we do to reach the lost? What more can we do to see those who don't know you be saved? What more can we do to those unfortunate, forgotten people groups? What more can we do? And listen, I love that, but even when it comes to our relationships, to those people closest to us, how much more would it change it if we said, what more can I do? Go ahead, well, and say? how much would it change your relationships if you were the one when time was rocky to say, what can I do? Because so many of us don't want to be the one to come humbly to the other person and say, I'm sorry, what can I do to help change our marriage? What can I do to help our friendship? We all want to be angry with each other, but when times are hard, sometimes we have to suck it up and go to that person and come humbly and ask for forgiveness or say, okay, what can I do to make this better? Most people can't stay mad at you when you do that, or it just, it kind of is that bridge to strengthening your relationship. And I think it's so easy in those frustration times, it's so easy to criticize the other person. It's so easy to criticize the situation. It's so easy to complain. Well, if you would do this better, everything would be fixed. Oh, that's easy to do, right? I mean, if you always wouldn't do this, everything. It's so easy to do all of that. It's easy to criticize. It's easy to complain. It's easy to compare. Well, if our marriage was like that one. If we took trips like they did, if, if our kids acted like they're, it's easy. If our church was like that church, it's easy to compare. Yeah. But man, the power that happens, what, what, what happens in someone's life is, man, when we show up willing to serve and God does something in us and through us. Again, why, why, did he, why does he give us relationships? Why, why, does, why does he give us these things? It's ultimately to bring glory to him. It's ultimately to get focused back to him because this isn't something I could do on my own. This isn't something that comes natural to me. Here's the second thing I got to know is because of that, relationships will require some effort. Oh, relationships are not easy. Say amen. amen. I don't care if you're raising your kids. I don't care if you're married. I don't care if you're single and you just got friends. If you're a single parent, you're raising kids on your own and, and you're doing it by yourself. Oh, you've even got double the work. Relationships will oftentimes require some effort because they're not in a vacuum, right? And, and, and there's not some state, hear me this morning, there's not a place that you'll ever get in your life where relationships become, become static and no longer require work. And so oftentimes, the longer you go, Leslie, as relationships get longer, are, is it easier? Or is, we've been married now, come June, we'll be married in 20 years. And so is it, thank you, two people, thank you, that's excited for me. 20 years, 
Well, now we have three boys, been in ministry now for 19 years. The longer we've been doing this thing with people, is it easier or is it harder? Oh, it's definitely harder because you have to put forth more effort. Mm -hmm. When you are with somebody for a long time, you can get really lazy. You can get to where it's even with kids. Like you have to take the time to cultivate that relationship, to spend time, to make an effort to do something or spend time with that person. Um, And it's the way we talk to each other. I feel like when relationships are new, you're real careful about what you say and you don't want to hurt people's feelings. And and then when you get in a relationship after 20 years, sometimes you're like, I'm going to tell you how it is. I don't care how you feel about it. And that's not how you should approach it. You should care about hurting your spouse's feelings. You should care about hurting your friend's feelings. You should speak truth, but you should also do it with love. And sometimes we change the way we speak to people based on how long we've known them. Write it down in your notes like this. I'm going to say it like this. If we're not careful, longevity will produce laziness in our relationships. I'll say it again. If we're not careful, longevity will produce laziness in our relationships. Right? Like Leslie said, let's go to the dating scene. When you're dating, oh, you put a lot of time and effort, right, into going out. Right? You got to get all dolled up. You got to go out on dates all the time. Right? When you're married for 19 years, what, what is it? We went out to dinner the other night. Went to Applebee's on a, on a Friday night. And then a basketball game. And then a basketball game. That was our date night. And we both looked at you. We got sweats and a hoodie on. I'm like, let's do it. Let's just go. <laughs> like, we're going to go hang out. Right? And again, like, that doesn't mean that's anything bad because we didn't get dressed up. But y'all know what it's like. In the beginning, right, you put so much effort. And if we're not careful, we get lazy. We miss those quality time moments. It wasn't about what we were wearing, but it was that we took time together and hung out. As kids, as they get older, right, they're not toddlers. We're not in the floor, you know, playing with them anymore. So we got we to gotta, we gotta figure out how, how do I connect with them now as teenagers? How do I connect with them now as young adults? How, how do I connect with them, right, um, as now they're adults? You know, uh, uh, when it comes to our, our, our working relationships, how, how do I find moments that, that, man, I can connect with that person? Because, again, relationships never get to the point where they're easy. They always will require effort. And the longer it goes, y'all know the, y'all know the quote, familiar, familiarity often brings contempt. That the more comfortable you get, right, the, the more, the more a familiar you get with someone or a person, you just get content. You just get content. You just, like, oh, man, it is what it is. You know, it, it's great, whatever. Yeah, this is what we do. This, and, and if we're not careful, we, we forget to begin to, to continue to put it. That's what James is saying. It takes work to be quick to listen, to so to speak, so to become angry. That doesn't come natural. And so what we have to understand that in order to do this, come on, Lens, we're almost done. In, or, in order to do this, we got to understand this, is that God cares about our relationships. God cares about every relationship. God cares about us as parents. God cares about you as a single person, as a college student, and, and your friendships. God cares about you as a coworker. God, God cares about, about you in your marriage. God cares about you as a single parent trying to raise your kids by yourself. God cares about every aspect of lives. Why? Because he designed us this way. So if he designed us that way, he's going to care about it. And ultimately, again, Harris this morning, God uses the avenue of our relationships to communicate his love and his compassion to a lost and dying world. Ultimately, God uses the avenue of relationships to mold us into he wants into the person he wants us to be. Like, like anybody ever prayed for patience before, other than me? 
Yeah, uh-huh, you won't do it anymore. I know, because I, I know why. You know what we do? We pray for patience. And what does God do? He gives us the most, imp, like, the most frustrating people to be around, doesn't he? Come on, y'all know it. Say, you, nod your head. You know it's true. Right? If you pay like, God, I've been really trying to work on my anger. So, Lord, this week, I want you to help me work on my anger. Don't pray that prayer, because he's going to put you in situations. Right? Legit. We was just, we, we've been praying this year for our finances. We've got some goals. Financially, we want to see happen. And our kids are getting older, right? Our kids, you know, they're starting to get to that age where you're thinking about college and all of those things. And so we've got financial goals. So we're like, you know what? This is going to be the year. Bless God. We declare the word of the Lord over our finances. And God, you're going to do it. You're going to bless us. You're going to help us be good stewards. And we're going to continue to steward. You're bringing financial blessings. You're going to help us steward those blessings. And I kid y'all not, y'all. We started praying that prayer. And it's like every stinking thing in our house done started breaking. I ain't even joking. All the cars. We were laying hands on the cars. We pray, hey, she was. She called me one day. She said, man, I'm praying for our van right now. I'm like, what's the van doing now? Like, we got another issue going on. And, 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 and then the dishwasher broke. Now I'm like, all right, now I got to fix the dishwasher. And then our commode broke. Like our toilet. Toilet. Listen, and our toilet. What did you say the other day? Every, we, every engaged couple should have to install a toilet bro, you to be lying. able to marry each other. Yeah. Because if you can do it successfully, you'll be fine. That's, that's relate. If you, I'm telling you right now, any young couple that comes to us and says, hey, we want to get married. We always do premarital counseling. I'm letting you know right now. One of the things is y'all installing a, a toilet together, and we're going to see how that works out. Because In you a can, very small space that you can barely get to. I was laying over the toilet listen, trying to hold the screw, and he was, was like under. We started at 9 a.m y'all on Friday morning. It did not get complete to 2.30 in the afternoon. Three trips. Had to call Pastor James. Three trips to Menards. Finally, I panicked, called Pastor James. I'm like, Jesus, you got to get over here, James, please. Somebody's got to come help me. Pastor James and Amanda at a North Justice they campus. They might take away your man card after They might take away my man. I don't know. I got skinny jeans on and Jordans. Who cares by now, right? But like, but what happens, right? Again, in all of those instances, God's using those moments. And I, I tell you that to say this, watch. Oftentimes we think God puts people in our life to punish us. That's what we think. Like, oh, I'm going through this season because God's mad at me. He's punishing me. Oh, I'm going through this trial in my marriage because God's mad at me. He's punished me. I'm going through this trial with my kids because he's mad at me. He's punished me. I'm going through, you know, this difficulty at my job to, because he's mad at me. He's punished me. You know what I've come to understand more often than not? God uses relationships in my life not to punish me, but to polish me. Yeah. Well, that's good. To sand me down in some areas I didn't know I needed sanding. Yeah. God's used my old, listen, Leslie said it so right. My oldest son, Mason, man, he's a clone of me like crazy. And I love him to death. God's used Mason in my life more oftentimes than I have to sand it down and be like, ooh, Matt, you still got some anger issues you got to work on. Yeah. You, got, you got some ways that you lash out that's not healthy. My, uh, my youngest son, Trey, who is Trey is his, is his own worst critic. And, and, and God's used Trey in my life to sand me down to help me with words of affirmation and, and words of encouragement because Trey needs that. Jeremiah just crazy. Jeremiah just goes 100 miles an hour. God, God, God's used Jeremiah in my life just to sand me down and to be able to say, learn how to slow down in life and embrace the moments you have, right? God uses people in our life not to punish us, but to polish us. And he often sand off those rough edges that we didn't know that was there. He'll often sand off those moments, right, that he'll use that we could just throw away and say, oh, man, I'm just going to rush through it. I'm going to be, I'm, you know, I'm not going to do what James says. I'm not going to be quick to listen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say what I'm going to say, and I'm going to go on about it. In our anger, we responded, what did we miss? We really missed out on a moment that God said, I wanted to take care of something right there. Yeah. And in every relationship that we have, 
every moment that we have, we have to stop and pause and say, okay, God, you care about me in this moment. You care about me in this my relationship. I know it's not your desire that I do life on my own. That's why you wired me this way. But God, you're having to work. God, I need you to work. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in because I can't do it on my own. So the Holy Spirit comes in because I can't, I can't be married for 20 years in my own power. I can't raise three teenagers in my own power. I, can't, I got a great job, y'all. Well, I work with Christians all day, and we still struggle sometimes to get along. I can't imagine for some of y'all to go and have to work out in a world where not everybody's saved. And we still have personal conflicts sometimes. We still have discussions that we have to walk through. And listen, the world is looking for a source. The world is looking for people they can look at and say, man, I want to do my marriage that way. I want to raise my kids that way. Man, I want to handle my my relationships at work that way. I want to handle my friendships that way. What's different about you? Let me tell you what's different. Let me tell you about the God who loves me. Let me tell you about his power that gives me the ability to do what James says, to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Come on, I want you to stand up all over this place. Listen, are relationships difficult? Absolutely. Relationships are everywhere. And, and, and I don't care, I don't care where what stage of life that you're in. Every one of us has relationships today at Valpoet, North Judson. Every one of us has people in our life that God has put there for a reason. God's placed us in their life and God's placed them in our life for a reason. I always talk to Leslie and I. We talk about her. She work where she works, and she's a nurse and works at the, the job that she works at. And she'd always share this conversation about this conversation I had and this conversation I had with people and, and it's conversations and, and it's moments that definitely try her, but she says, I know God was using it. And, and people come back, you know, days later and weeks later, and it opens up the door. That's what it's all about, men and women. That's why God has us here. Why did he leave us here in the first place? Why didn't he just take us to heaven when we were saved and said, all right, your job is done. He's left us here to be salt, to be light, to make an impact, to make a difference in our worlds, no matter where we're at. And so this is how I want us to pray today. Every one of us in this place, maybe you're standing by your family, maybe you're, sta- maybe you're standing by your spouse. I want you to definitely grab them by the hand. But, but even if you're here today and you're, maybe you're standing by a friend, maybe you're standing by just someone, you know, I want you to grab them by the hand. I want us to all join hands today and we're going to pray for our relationships because we have them, whether they're friendships, whether they're marriages, whether they're co-workers. And this is what we're going to pray today. I'm going to pray for all of us. I want Leslie, I want you to pray for our marriages today. And, but I want us to pray for each other on our right or left. You don't even know their story. Maybe you don't even know who they are. Maybe it's your family. But I want us to pray James 1. Can you go back to the text for me, John, and go back to our text today. James chapter 1. And it said in verse 19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and all the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which, you, which can save you. And in verse 22, do not merely just listen to the word. We've listened today. We've heard But he goes on to say what? Do it. Do what God is asking us to do. Is it easy? No. Is it going to take some work? Absolutely. But listen, he's going to give us the power and the strength to do it. Amen? So come on, right where you stand, I want you to pray that the Holy Spirit, as you're standing next to them, would would give them the power to live out James 1, 
19 today. God, thank you for your word today. God, thank you for your spirit today. God, thank you for your power that you've made accessible. God, maybe we're here today and we don't know you. We've never had that relationship with you. So God, we've been doing it in our own power, in our own strength, and we're just barely making it. But God, today's the day that we surrender. If that's you today, say, today's the day I'm going to surrender to you, God. Today's the day I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm, I'm giving it over to you. I want to do relationships. I want to do life the way that you've created me to do and, and, and be. I want to I use your power to do it. And so God, today, that's my prayer. God, every one of us in this room, including myself, God, every one of us at North Judson, at, at Hebron, God, at Wanatal, Lord, at Westville, God, we need your power to do this. God, I need your power to do Lord, to be able to be quick to listen. God, I need your power to be slow to speak. Lord, I need your power, God, to be slow to become angry. But God, I thank you, Lord, that you've placed us, God, in schools. God, you've placed us in neighborhoods. God, you've placed us in the cities. God, you've placed us in Northwest Indiana, God, to be the salt and to be the light. So God, we may not get it perfect, but God, we're gonna do our best, Lord, to allow your power and your strength, God, to give us the ability Lord, to give us the power, Lord, to walk out the relationships like you've called us to, God. Father God, I pray for every marriage in this place today, God. Lord, the ones that are specifically struggling, God, that you will meet them where they are, Lord. God, that you will start breaking down the walls that they built up against each other. God, the ones that are struggling, Lord. God, meet them in the pit with them, God. I think you will do a work that we will hear testimonies of miracles, of relationships that have been changed, that have been transformed, God, that have a renewed fire and a passion, God, not only yes. for each other, but for you, God. Lord, I pray right now, God, for every couple that you will make them strong, that you will help them to communicate, that you will help them to forgive, help them to be kind to one another and loving, God, even when their spouse doesn't deserve it, God. Lord, I pray right now that you will just strengthen every marriage, touch every family unit, God. God, the kids, the relationship between mom and dads and kids. Lord, I pray that their homes will be a place, God, where people can come and they can feel your love. God, and the love for one another, God, that they will be a safe haven, God, when the world is crazy, God, but we can go home and we can go where we are loved and taken care of. Lord, I pray that you will just be with every single family, every single marriage right now, God. Give us strength to overcome, God, everything the devil throws our way. In Jesus' name. Come on, lift your hands up now all of us. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.